0: Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Surviving to Drive podcast. Today, we'll be discussing and debating our Formula One histories and our Formula One paddock opinions.
1: My name is Alex, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler, and today we're going to start with how we got into F1. Tyler, how did you first start watching Formula One?
0: Yeah, I got into Formula One through, I think, the the pretty typical American route of Drive to Survive. Um, During the COVID shutdown, I was sitting at home and scrolling through Netflix as We've all done plenty of times, I'm sure, and found Drive to Survive, the series, uh, which there were three of at the time, and so uh, I sat down and started watching episode one to give it a try, and uh, absolutely fell in love with it, and just the speed of it, and uh, uh, just kind of the atmosphere of every race, and especially like the way that they were putting together the footage, and uh, all the drama behind it, and uh, I just got addicted, and from there, Kind of went into, um, well, first of all, I watched it all within, like, I think a three-day period of time and just absolutely loved it all, uh, and then got into some of the YouTube rabbit holes of uh, some F1 technical regulations and uh, how the engineering works um, on a car-to-car standpoint, and I just couldn't get enough of it for, for a while. So got into it that way and then started watching with F1 TV uh, I think like the weekend after I paid for it and started watching old races and just continued to l- fall in love with it. And finally, uh, started to
1: find some people to
0: talk, talk about it too. And it just keeps getting better.
1: How about you? Uh, yeah. So I actually, uh, about a, about a little over a year ago, uh, Portuguese grand P grand prix 2021, uh, just randomly tuned in on a Sunday and started watching it. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty sweet. uh, had nothing to watch on Netflix at the time, and I'm like, I think there's a show about this. Uh, ended up watching the three seasons from 2018, 19, and 20, um, and same thing. Yeah, I fell in love with it. I think for me, just like the scenes and everything around it, not just obviously the racing's exciting because the cars going fast around tight circuits, but like, yeah, I think the scenes surrounding it and like the drama and just everything that goes into a race weekend, so what really pulled me in. And I know people have you know certain opinions about Drive to Survive and like how the series has gone and how they portray it and stuff but overall i think for the fan who doesn't know anything about it they do a good job of showing what it is and bringing people in at least and that's all you can ask um so yeah for me it's just like the scenes and everything around it and then same thing i got into like a youtube rabbit hole where i just started looking at all these videos of like technical things and like past races and highlights and all kind of other stuff and then uh just got more and more involved with it and you know ever since that portuguese grand prix i just watched all the races since then and just fell in love with it, and yeah, and you know, it evolved into obviously us eventually starting the podcast here.
0: Yeah, yeah, couldn't have worked out any better. I think you know they they say the best way to get a Formula One fan is to get them to want to know more, and the more they know, the more they enjoy it. And I think that's a hundred percent true for both of us. I know, uh, you know, I started out on YouTube looking at these little things, and then I'd start watching the races, and anybody around me that was willing to listen to an ounce of any knowledge that I might have picked up was, uh, was going to get an earful for about an hour about any little thing that I could explain because I just thought it was also interesting. And, uh, it was a very good, just kind of segue into beginning to watch it, beginning to talk about it and beginning to kind of understand the whole circus that is formula one.
1: Yeah, I agree. That same thing happened with me where as soon as I watched that first race and a couple more races after that, and then kind of watched the the series on Netflix, then I got my family into it and then started getting my friends into it. And same thing, like that's that last summer, I remember, like any chance I got to talk about it with them, I would. Yeah. And they were a little, you know, apprehensive at first, as most people are, because most people think it's like NASCAR, just like, just not for them. And as I started getting to talk to them more and more about it, they finally started getting into it. And, you know, now I've gotten more and more people into it to where it's exciting then to be able to talk to other people Yeah. about what's going on in it and what's happening and them actually understand like what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was really hard at the beginning. I know for me specifically, I didn't really have anybody. I tried to get my family and friends to watch it, and uh, it's not easy to watch and not be able to talk about it, so I would watch some of the, you know, WTF1 Chain Bear videos and some different reviews, getting on F1 Twitter and hearing people's opinions and stuff, but not really inputting anything, but finally, you know, finding some friends and being able to talk about it was... Uh, a big step in my Formula One journey.
1: Yeah, I agree. Same thing. I watched a lot of Chamber videos, a lot of stuff on different, like, just regulations and things in the past and history and then ended up getting F1 TV. And I think, you know, going back to last year, I had always thought about, like, oh, this would be cool to, like, start a podcast about this. Like, uh, didn't really have anyone to talk about it with. And then, obviously, like, just by coincidence, like, at a bar here. Yeah. We we just ended up meeting. Yeah. I remember... One of our friends is like, oh, like Alex is into Formula One. And then like from there, it just kind of took off. And then we started this. But that's been the best part has been like just finding new people into it and like getting other people's point of view on it and like getting other people to appreciate it the way we do.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting hearing a lot of the I mean, what we'll go into here shortly about our favorite and least favorite drivers. But, you know, I've always been just a fan of the sport and hearing different opinions is always something really interesting to me regardless of how controversial some of them can be. But uh, I think part of that is extra encapsulating into the sport. And uh, the more you hear about it, the more you just want to be involved and want to read about it and want to watch it. And uh, I think it's a great thing for the sport.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that kind of leads into our next talking point here is like how we watch it and how we consume F1 media. And so uh, for me, you know, I obviously ended up getting F1 TV. Obviously, at first, I just watched on ESPN Mm-hmm. Um, as it's available to everybody on ESPN and just watch that, that broadcast and you know Crofty does a great job and Brundle does a great job of kind of explaining it and bringing excitement to the sport and I think it always helps to have good commentators like I think that's a huge part of any sport thing is having very good commentators that kind of bring that energy Yeah, sport itself especially when you know because there are times when you can get into you know the middle of a race and there's not a lot of on track action going on it's more like the commentators giving their input about, like, you know, different pitch strategies and different things like that that kind of bring that excitement in. Yeah. Um, so I think they did a great job, and then, you know, obviously now I just watch pretty much F1 TV, and I love, you know, Buxton and Sam Collins and all that. I think they do a great job of making it feel really personal and, like, giving you that insight. And I think the whole F1 TV production and the way they do it is, is done very well, and they hit all the different areas, and uh, there's just so much content on there for you to consume related yeah. to Formula One.
0: Yeah, and so I actually, you know, like I said, bought F One TV for the the yearly pass. Like the weekend that I started watching Formula One, and um, yeah, I just loved it. the The first year that I was watching it, Sky Sports was the commentary on Formula One uh, live TV, and uh, you know it was a great introduction to the sport. I love having people that had raced before on there and listening to their point of views and um you know hearing all of their different point of views from in the commentary box down on the track and all kinds of things and they were really good at that and then obviously the switch with this year's season into will buxton most of the time julian palmer who's been great sam collins and a couple of other rotating characters on on there and uh you know they've been entertaining and i think definitely make it a little more personal than than the sky commentary but um yeah I, I kind of loved them both for their own reasons and I agree with you all the different content give you anything that you could ever want to know about Formula One. So I've kind of stopped going into some of those other avenues of knowledge and really going into like tech talks with Sam Collins or listening to every free practice session to get a lot of that knowledge and uh, you know they just provide everything that you could want.
1: Yeah, I agree and I think that kind of piggybacks up what we talked about earlier where. You know, Drive to Survive does a great job of like bringing the common fan in, right? And does a great job of showing you the exciting parts and making it very exciting and everything around it is drama filled and all that. Yeah. And that gets people in. And then I think once you're in discovering those different avenues of like what appeals to you most within the sport, whether it's the tech or the scenes around it or whatever it may be. Um, like there's all that content for you to consume, and like the more you consume of it, I think the more you get into it as a fan, and the more you appreciate it, and then Definitely. it just kind of escalates and snowballs from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sinks its uh, knowledge grips into you, and then yeah. you start to become a fan more than just watching it for the excitement, and then you pick a driver, maybe pick a team, and and really just take off from there. And uh, you know, I think that gets us into maybe discussing a little bit of our favorite drivers. Give you guys a little bit of a background into uh, who we started rooting for when we started getting into the sport. And, uh, I know you have a couple, you want to get into that?
1: Yeah. So I just kind of lay this out for you guys. We're going to go ahead and go through, you know, a couple of our favorite drivers, least favorite drivers, our favorite teams, least favorite teams, Uh, a little bit of talk around team principles and kind of who we like and who kind of brings a little bit of passion and fun to the, to the paddock. So to start for me, my favorite driver, uh, is Lando Norris, uh, I've always just been a Lando fan kind of since the beginning. I think for me, uh, when I watched the series and stuff, it was cool to see that, like, outside of racing, he's just a normal dude. Like, he's like any other 21 and 22 year old kid. Yeah. Uh, like, he just likes playing video games, like, hanging out with his friends. And, like, I don't know. Like, it's just cool to me to see the contrast where, like, he's one of the top, you know, arguably one of the top drivers in the world, right? Near the top. And But he, when he's done with racing, he just goes home and streams on Twitch or, like, something like that. So, yeah. For me, he always brought that and then he was just a fun guy too, right? He was funny, he brought humor to the show and then like on the track and in the weekends and on social media and stuff, he's just a funny guy and likes to have a good time. Yeah. Um so I've always been a huge fan of him kinda since the beginning. Um and then along with that, obviously from the show and then same thing personality wise, I'm a big Ricardo guy too. Yeah. Obviously he's been struggling this year, but uh one of the one of the better drivers uh of, of recent times and he is just hilarious, right? He's great personality, like goofy guy, like, likes to have fun, and, like, just has a good time with, like, the sport. He doesn't take it too seriously, right? Like, when he's on the track and racing, he's all in and everything, but then, like, he provides a lot of entertainment outside of that. Yeah. And I think that's so, like, crucial in anything, It's like, to have someone that's, you know, knows when to take it serious, and then knows when to kind of let off that, too. Yeah,
0: I think both of those guys are very lighthearted. They keep the team pretty fun to watch, and, uh, you know, even with some of their difficulties, I think they're a very fun team, and the media around that team is is also pretty fun and you also have ricardo who was a episode one guy who got a lot of people you know hooked into the sport off the start of drive to survive and uh, a very interesting path that he's taken and i know not a lot of people will agree with that and you know some people like what he did but stepping away from one of the top teams is uh, a very big decision and something that drive to survive played out pretty well i thought
1: yeah he definitely made himself very well known very on in that series, and. I think he got a lot of fans because of that. And then I think he continues to have a lot of fans just because of his personality and things he does off the track. And, you know, like little things, like whether it be social media posts or like merch. Like he makes awesome merch. I have so much of his merch, like t-shirts and stuff like that, that he just does a fun fun stuff with. And I, I think he's just a fun guy. So, Yeah. Um, and then my third favorite driver would probably be uh, Bodice. Uh, the reason for that is I think he always has been kind of a no-nonsense guy in the track. Yeah, um, And I think he was always super underrated at Mercedes. And, you know, he had that shadow of Lewis Hamilton over him. And, like, you know, it's hard when you're going up against one of the greatest, if not the greatest driver of all time. And many people would say the greatest driver of all time. And so he never really got to show, I think, his true stuff because a lot of the times he had to, you know, play second fiddle to Lewis. And, and he, in my opinion, is the greatest teammate of all time. I know Lewis said that, and I I don't think it's really arguable in terms of the success the two of them had over those years at Mercedes and then everything Valtteri did to help Lewis. um, Most drivers wouldn't have done. He always did what he was supposed to do and backed off when he needed to and spot positions when he needed to. And he's always there to help the team. And I think he was just super consistent, um, you know, for the most part in terms of putting in the performances the team needed to win a constructors. Yeah. And I think this year, then now he's showing like, Oh, I'm like, he's taking the Alfa Romeo car and putting it in places it probably shouldn't be and Mm -hmm. consistently performing. And I think that's been awesome to see. So he's probably my third favorite driver just because of, you know, what he's been able to do and kind of the role he played, he played it so well. And in my opinion, played it better than anybody.
0: Yeah. And it's been interesting to see his move to Alfa Romeo and how, much more fun he's been having, it seems like, and, you know, still a very no-nonsense guy on the track, but when it comes to, you know, getting naked in a river and stuff, and uh, different social media items, and, uh, you know, still mentoring Joe through all that, he seems like he's having a lot more fun, and uh, I would say having more relative success uh, to the team than maybe what he was having at Mercedes, where people were always expecting more of him. Uh, so yeah definitely interesting and I think a good pick for one of your top one of your top favorite drivers to watch Um, my favorite drivers I I have always had one favorite driver and that is Sergio Perez I love the story behind him love uh, the fact that he's from North America and he continues to just be a great driver and a great driver to watch really on track I love some of the moves that he's made and continues to make and uh, the tire strategies that he's able to pull off. And we saw instances like, uh, his fighting with Hamilton last year, that was absolutely, uh, otherworldly of a performance and, in helping out his teammates. And he's always been a great team player, a good level-headed guy on track. And, uh, yeah, just, just a very fun to watch. I also love, you know, the celebration with him and his dad and in Mexico in the last year's race. And, uh, yeah, just a great character and good family man and all kinds of stuff. So I've always enjoyed watching him as one of my favorite drivers. And then my second favorite driver I'd have to say is George Russell uh, because when I started watching, he's you know the young gun coming into Williams and just consistently beating some of the older experienced drivers and uh, always putting that Williams in just great spots. I remember one of my standout performances from him was his qualifying lap uh, at the end of last season when he was getting outpaced by Latifi and he's on his final qualifying lap and sticks a wheel in the gravel and then they cut away from him and you just think all oh, that's over there goes his his out qualifying his teammate run and he crosses the finish line and shocks everybody by out qualifying Latifi and uh still while still dipping a, a wheel over into the gravel during his lap so I thought that was pretty impressive and I've always loved watching him, and I'm super excited to watch him continue to grow in that Mercedes seat, and hopefully put in some some awesome performances. Yeah, and then lastly, I, a pretty recent favorite, one of my favorite drivers Very here is recent. is Zhou Guan Yu, and you know, I, just someone I've been I've been hopping on the train for a little bit because he's starting to put in some some really good performances, and I think kind of an underrated guy, even coming into this year, there was a lot of talent in the paddock that a lot of teams were thinking about getting uh, into that seat or into some other seats. And not a lot of people thought that Joe was really deserving of that seat, but I think he's taken that handled the pressure well and is starting to, to really perform well. So I think he's a a guy that I I'll be rooting for, for, for quite a long time, hopefully, and continue to see him put in some good performances.
1: Yeah. He's been awesome this year. He's been, I think a lot of people have started to, Uh, have him fall into their favorite driver's list just because he's been so fun and has outperformed his expectations and continues to just put in great performances against someone like Bottas, who's very experienced and definitely usually has the upper hand. But I think Zoe has shown that he definitely deserves this seat. And like you said, there were other people like Piastri or someone like that, that many people thought maybe deserved that seat coming from F2. But, uh, you know, Zoe's definitely performed, you know, above expectations and I think fully deserves that seat. Yeah. Um so I think we're gonna save uh least favorite drivers for the end and there's there's a reason why there. Uh but we're gonna go into teams next. And so i want to start uh with my two favorite teams. So each of us are gonna do our two favorites. Uh so my first, obviously if you couldn't tell for my favorite drivers is McLaren. Uh my two favorite drivers are Norris and Ricardo, so McLaren's obviously my favorite team. Um but I think even dating back to when they had Norris and Signs, they were it was just a fun team, right? And uh, you know, just the memes and the different things that came from the team and the social media they presence they have and stuff like that i think makes it a lot of fun and um you know i think they have a good looking car I think they have good colors just everything about them is just kind of bright and vibrant and fun and young and i think that's like definitely something that appeals to me and i think that uh it makes them more enjoyable to watch um and yeah. then my second favorite team is probably alfa romeo um i think kind of as we talked about with our favorite drivers being bodice and for you zo i think they just have a fun team too and it's kind of like Rooting for more of an underdog in a way. Definitely. Um, Obviously, you know McLaren right now isn't a top team, but you know you'd expect them to be. They're one of the bigger teams in terms of budget and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think Alfa Romeo is just a fun team to root for. I don't think anybody really dislikes Alfa Romeo. I think most people are are happy for them if they do well. And I think they have, in my opinion, they have probably the best looking car on the grid too. I think the color scheme with the with the red and the white and just how they did it, especially when they had the the uh, livery that they brought the green into for that, yeah. that one race just so nice so clean so uh i really like them a lot i think they've done a great job this year of kind of outperforming their expectations and they're just a fun you know scrappy team to root for
0: yeah definitely and i i've also kind of been on that train a little bit enjoying watching them and hoping for some of their good performances so yeah definitely a fun team to watch especially when they had reichen in on their team and uh he was oh, always yeah. always quite the personality oh, but yeah yeah, so my, my two favorite teams, kind of along similar lines for McLaren, uh, one of them, but my top team uh, would definitely have to be Mercedes, um, and that mostly goes along with kind of Toto Wolf, and we'll discuss team bosses a little bit here, but uh, I'm a really big Toto Wolf fan. I think he's a, a great leader for that team, and um, kind of hearing his story is is kind of inspirational and uh, just a great organization. and. Uh, the way that they structure their team and, and handle themselves, I think is uh, pretty impressive. And I've always uh, admired that from them. And then, uh, like I said, McLaren, just because they are they are that big team, they have such a rich history as well. And um, that's something that I've enjoyed looking into. So I'd say those two. And then moving into team bosses more specifically, like I said, Toto Wolf, uh, one of my favorite, even personalities in the paddock really because Uh, he's just a great leader for that team and the way he was able to kind of build that team out of not much you know starting that team up and really establishing just total dominance for eight years uh, you know that team is just impressive and the way that he's able to lead and garner support for as big of a team as as they have is really impressive to me
1: yeah I agree I think Toto's story is awesome because like you said they kind of came into Formula One like 2010 or whatever it was and kind of started from nothing really and built up to where when you look at like the history books and the record books now, like they're near the top of most of them and it's only been, you know, 11, 12 years. And so to me, that's just so impressive. And, you know, I talk to people about it all the time. Like I, you could argue that it's one of the greatest dynasty runs like in the history of sports, of yeah. any sport, right? Like winning eight straight contractor titles in a in a row and getting it right that often mm-hmm. and always being it right and being that consistent. Um, and you know, dominating the way they've dominated where it hasn't, you know, up until last year, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, I think that's just, it's an amazing story. And you know, a lot of that is led by him and the efforts he's put in. And like you said, just the personality he brings in the leadership and just kind of who he is as a person is awesome.
0: Yeah. And it goes into even his history as, as just a businessman and, Uh, you know his growing up story and his stories uh, as a young man and um, just kind of his history is is very interesting to listen to and I would recommend going and listening to some YouTube videos about uh, his upbringing and his early career but all very interesting items and um, yeah I think for for all of that uh, he's definitely my favorite team boss
1: yeah Um, so I'll go into mine now so uh, Toto's also one of my favorites but my favorite's probably Gunther Um, yeah I think that's a lot of people's favorites as well uh you know Hoss being an American team it's it's fun to root for them in general and fun to root for him but are just an awesome personality um you know he really made himself known through Drive to Survive and like really made his presence felt um with the whole Rockstars thing and all that stuff and then just all the races and his commentary and his interviews and stuff are all awesome uh you know he's a very emotional guy and both positive and negative and really gets into it and you can tell he really loves the sport and is passionate about it and yeah what he's done to you know continue to bring that energy to a team that in the past couple years has been so bad and just brought nothing at all you know i mean you could argue that 2021 Haas was the worst car you know ever built and the worst team ever assembled i mean they were never anywhere close with you know in terms of finishing the points or anything
0: yeah it was never never looked promising
1: no So there was never any hope, but he stayed positive and, like, still brought that energy. And I think that's why he's been able to last so long with the team, even though they haven't had success. And they have definitely brought it back some this year. And he's just a fun guy, a positive guy. And I think, you know, a lot of his quotes and stuff bring a lot of eyeballs to Formula One. So even if you don't, you know, know who he is, like, just through different memes and stuff like that, like, from this past season drive to survive, like, the whole boat thing, right? Like, there are so many people that saw him on social media that have no idea who he was, but then were involved with him via that. And yeah. like, I think that just brings more fans to the sport. And I think that's what he's all about is getting more people interested and more passionate about it. So that's probably why he's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's really just a funny guy all yeah, around. He's just a funny and, guy. Yeah. It kind of makes that team, you know, have something to laugh about, which exactly. is always good.
1: Exactly. Um, so I think we'll go into our least favorite team principal now. Um, and so for this, we kind of, it's, we kind of attacked it in two different ways. So uh, we both have the same things. but We went with, currently's favorite than our least favorite ever. Um so currently's favorite we both had Christian Horner. Um so I'll give my thoughts first. I think overall for the sport you need a guy like Christian Horner. You need someone to be that uh you know antagonist and be that one that kind of probes people into conversation and gets you know gets gets people going, right? Like gets people fired up or is very opinionated, right? He definitely like makes himself known and is very strongly opinionated and says what he wants to say, and he often contradicts himself and has very ironic moments and stuff, but you, someone that you need in the sport. Um, so I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on Christian. but
0: Yeah, I think uh, he's a very controversial guy. I mean, you hear a lot of controversial things from him, and you know he kind of holds himself to Helmut Mar- Marco standards, and I don't know if those are very much standards that team principals should be holding themselves to. Uh, I think he puts a lot of pressure on his drivers, and, um, you know, even though he acts like he supports them both, it's always a pretty one-sided deal, and, you know, I respect the fact that he likes to win championships, but the way he does it isn't always on track, and uh, that can cause uh, some chaos and some unneeded drama uh, in the world of Formula One, but... Uh, like you said I, I think he is a necessary character you know you gotta have a, a villain like that and exactly uh, I think he's he's always been somebody that annoys a lot of people uh, and then somebody that a lot of people just love to hear about so yeah uh, d- definitely an interesting figure but yeah uh, as we're in agreement I think our our least favorite team boss and then like you said our our, our least favorite ever um I would say mine's still Christian Horner, but uh, <laughs> in regards to uh, when we first started watching, I think mine definitely was was Cyril, and uh, I think he was just uh, far too by the book. Uh, oh yeah, and, and a little bit too strict uh, with his drivers and with other team bosses. Um, you know, in his his personality, interviews and drive to survive and uh, among other things throughout his time in the paddock uh uh he's just never really stood out as as a super fun guy
1: i agree i think if you watch drive to survive too like a lot of the interactions he had especially with horner were like he tried to be witty and stuff and it just came off very awkward and like uncomfortable right like there was a lot of times where like especially when you know, Red Bull decided to move away from the Renault engines mm-hmm. and they kind of had that press conference, I think it was in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like met up out front, like accidentally. And you know, he's like, Oh, like I'm taking, uh, your, your driver. And he's like, well, we're not having your engines anymore or whatever. And like the whole conversation was just like really awkward. Yeah. And like, I almost got like secondhand embarrassment for cereal. Cause like, he's just such an awkward guy. And like, like yeah. you said, he's just so by the book. It's hard to like, it's hard to lay out like that because like, he didn't have any funny sides to him or anything like that like he was just like he just made you like want to not watch
0: yeah i think the only ounce of enjoyment that i got from watching cyril was when he got his tattoo with daniel and i think that's yeah. just because daniel was able to to keep the moment uplifted and happy and and uh, just overall funny but yeah. yeah i think cyril um i think we're we're better off without it and yeah. uh and Renault as well. I was never really a fan of the yellow and black.
1: No, I wasn't either. It just felt out don't know why, even though they weren't in it really before either. It just feels, cause like their French team, like it, the blue and it just feels more right. The yellow and black just never, yeah, never really felt right. Yeah. Um, so I guess now I'll go into our uh, least favorite teams. Uh, so I'll go ahead and start. So um, I think this is going to be a, a, a similar to between the two of us, but one of my least favorite teams is probably Red Bull. Um, just, like we talked about with with Christian being there and just kind of all the stuff that surrounds them, um, you know, they have the, you can, they've always had, and it's not just been with just Max, they've kind of always had this like preferential treatment with one driver or those back in the Vettel days or even, you know, before that. But they've kind of always had this where they say it's, you know, equal, but they have this clear preferential treatment and someone they're trying to help. And then I think along with that, just all the controversy that surrounds them off the track. You know, obviously, we have the, the different things that have happened in the past couple weeks here uh, that have not been good at all and, you know, should be totally condemned that have just happened with them. Yeah. In general, that's been going on, and it's really only seemed to happen with them. Yeah. And then just, you know, their their team personalities and everything, I think both of us agree, like, Helmet Marco is the absolute worst. But, yeah. Like, he's just the worst. I don't know why there's just something evil about that guy, like... Every comment he makes about anyone is, unless it's about Max, is just all hate. No it matter is. who it is, like nobody is, nobody will ever be as good as Max. Like everybody else sucks. Like yeah. it's just all negative all the time. And then like everything surrounding the team is just like, I just feel like there's always a dark cloud. Like yeah, is unless you know, is if, if, if Max is winning, then it's fine. But if like if anything goes wrong at all, like it's the end of the world. And like it's not their fault. It's somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Somebody else broke the rules. Someone else cheated. Someone else. They're out to get Red Bull, whatever it is. So I think their whole personality around their team is just not good.
0: Yeah, and it's really difficult to think about how young these drivers are when they're coming up through these programs. You know, they're joining the programs when they're 12, 10, younger, you know, and they're joining these programs, starting up, and just constantly under pressure. And I think Helmut Marko and Christian Horner can just really perpetuate that that fear in drivers never let them get comfortable and never really let them succeed like we've seen with Albon Pierre Gasly especially I mean when you're able to leave a team and, and go take a car that deserves to be middle back of the pack and win a race and continue to put it in good points finishes you know there's no reason that you being up in a top team should not have thrived and I think it comes down to the pressure that they feel and Uh, You know, obviously every team is going to have pressure and every driver is going to have pressure, but the constant pressure. And if you make a singular wrong step, you're getting, you know, Helmut Marco breathing down your neck uh, at every move you make. So I think that's definitely one of the reasons and probably the biggest reason why Red Bull is one of my least favorite teams.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think to kind of expand real quick on what you said about the pressures that their second drivers face, I think that's just the toxic environment, like you said, that is created in that team. And like you said, you have drivers like Albon and Gasly that performed so well at at Williams and AlphaTauri these past, like you know, like this past year, and and for Gasly these past couple of years. And I think it's something where you have to wonder, like, why didn't it work at Red Bull? Yep. You no. Know, I, like you said i just think that toxic environment like was the reason that it didn't work uh because they wanted this model where you just had max and then the second driver and i think it's it's something that we have to look at like is this a st- systemic problem is this something that's going beyond just the drivers himself because you know they basically pushed ricardo out in a way through the way they treated him in that whole max situation and then they just dispatched of gasoline and alpine like it was nothing yeah and so i think that's probably one of the main reasons that i just dislike them so much uh and then my second or my other least favorite team is probably just williams uh to be honest i don't really dislike them that much it's just there's just nothing there for me like they just have been so bad of recent i know they have a rich history and have a lot of great drivers that have come through that program but they've just kind of turned into like this junior team from mercedes now yeah and you know it was fun watching when russell was there but now that he's not there i don't really care that much about alban and i you know, don't really like a TV, so it's just kinda of like a whatever team for me and they're always the slowest and at the back and I don't know, I guess they their car's kinda of cool this year, but other than that there's really nothing that does anything for me there.
0: Yeah, I think Williams has been kind of one of those back and forth teams for me. I think I really enjoyed watching George, but, you know, now there's not much to, to watch for. I'm excited to see who they take uh, as a young driver and potentially, you know, watch them as a development team, but uh yeah, I wouldn't put them anywhere towards my top driver toward my, toward my top teams, uh, at all. And then, you know, my second least favorite team would probably be Alpine because mostly because of the Renault, you know, yeah. transfer, but, uh, not a huge fan of either of the drivers. Um, and they're kinda, you know, they're fun to compete against when I'm rooting for the likes of Mercedes and McLaren. But, um, you know, nothing like wholly against them, whereas Red Bull I'm really not the biggest fan of, but Alpine, uh, just kind of, you know, a team that uh, is there and competing and, um, yeah, not not a ton of spark for me. But uh, other than that, I think we're going to get into our bottom three drivers yeah. and then wrap this thing up. Yeah,
1: so I'll start with my bottom three and then we'll have Tyler give his... Second of his bottom two, the uh, the other two, and then we'll have, let him expand on his his least favorite driver here uh, to kind of end the show today. So my uh, my bottom three, really no particular order. Uh, it's probably gonna be Stroll, Latifi, and Alonzo. Uh, starting with Latifi, just at this point he's just bad. I mean we basically make fun of every single week, but it's just other than that that Q three performance he had in, in in Britain this past weekend, there's nothing that he's done that's done anything for me. I think he doesn't deserve to be here anymore. I think it's time to bring someone younger in, someone from the development program, someone like Piastri or DeVries or someone like that to kind of fill that seat and make it a little more exciting. Um, Stroll, same thing. Just The dude just kind of makes me angry. I don't know why. I think it's just because his dad owns the team that he's still in this. And I know he had some success at with Racing Point and Force India like, and, and even Williams kind of back in the day. Uh, I know he had a podium with Williams too, but th- it's just hasn't been anything for me with Aston Martin and he just I don't know he seems like a guy that always complains about everything all the time and it's never his fault it's always somebody else's fault Um, and then finally Alonso or as my brother calls him Trollonzo. I mean the dude is the best in the world at putting it you know P3 and qualifying and totally messing up the fight at the front that everyone actually wants to see and then just become an absolute boat during the race falling back to P9 and then just creating a train of cars behind him and so, like, it just kind of makes me angry, because, like, we want to see these top guys fighting at the front, and then he'll just put in this spectacular qualifying performance and trolling everybody, and yeah. then, in the race, have no performance whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting to watch sometimes, but, yeah, he's, he's probably not one of my favorite drivers, I think. You know, he his peak was a little while ago, and it's been interesting to see him come back and uh, compete at, at one of the top levels and continually, continuously putting it top 10, but... Um, yeah, not, not one of my least favorite drivers either though. So, uh, I think I agree with you though, on, on the other two with Stroll and Latifi, I think, you know, Stroll just doesn't really have much of a personality because, um, you know, I think his dad kind of sucks out all of his personality and I don't know if he has much of a personality other than an evil villain. So, uh, yeah, Stroll's, Stroll's not really my favorite driver, just kind of a pay driver. And, uh, I don't think they're, they're great for the sport. Um, next is Latifi. I think kind of a simi- similar, situation. He's never really been an outstanding performer. Um, nothing really spectacular to watch. Uh, just kind of there for George Russell to beat and now album. So, um, yeah, those are probably my 19th and 20th drivers. And then, uh, obviously there are 21 this year, which we're ranking out of yes. because Latifi, uh, or, or. Because Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg um, was Soling there. for Vettel, yeah. Yeah, Latifi was sitting in the twenty-one position for so long, so I thought was, he was the twenty-first. Yes. But
1: it was good to see him finally this race, as we talked about in our Silverstone recap, or yeah. finally in Silverstone get past Hulkenberg. Uh, but yeah, now we're getting for the moment everyone's been waiting for here. Um, we're gonna have Tyler talk about his least favorite driver, um, and so I think this this is gonna be a pretty passionate. Pretty passionate talk right here, but this is really exacerbated by last year and the end of last year. But uh, you probably could have t- figured out by now who it is. But we're gonna—I'm gonna let him go ahead and just you tell know how it is. I'm
0: just—I'm just a fan of the sport, right? And I find it very hard to be a fan of the sport and a fan of this driver, uh, as they're kind of conflicting statements in the same. Formula One world, you know. Uh, Obviously, it's Max Verstappen, and obviously, there's pretty clear reasons why. I think he's always been a little bit of a baby when it comes to uh, driving and, you know, being aggressive and then complaining about other drivers being aggressive and uh, complaining about everything there is to complain outside of the car. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see him post-winning a fake world title but uh it's he's been kind of a different driver after that i think you know i'm not knocking his skill he's obviously a very talented driver but uh i think his personality and you know it rubs off from a lot of the people around him i don't think anybody around him is very you know great either you know we have recent scandals about certain language choices and obviously helmet marco christian horner uh Yos has you know
1: yeah i mean Yos has had his fair share of run-ins with various things and as we talked about earlier Helmut Marco is one of the worst people ever just evil
0: yeah it's very difficult to to like max verstappen and uh you know a lot of verstappen fans can also be quite aggressive um and you know hamilton's not my favorite driver by any means but he's uh up there because of the things that he can do off the track and Uh, obviously he's very skilled driver as well and uh, I think Verstappen kind of disregards all of that just trying to be um, seen as the best and uh, yeah I find that
1: quite annoying a lot of time I think it's for me it's interesting like I and obviously I think some of your hatred has rubbed off on me for it but you know he uh, he's always just kind of been a didn't like, didn't dislike either kind of guy for me, just kind of whatever. Um, I do always think it's interesting when you see the difference between, like, and I'm not saying all for staff and fans are like this, right? Like, uh, I would assume, you know, most of them are just good people that are just fans of him as a driver, right? Yeah. Like, someone like you said, like the hardcore ones, like, I think like we saw at at Austria this past weekend, like, uh, when Hamilton had that crash in Q3, like, uh, just the cheering and the, like, like, as if Max had won the world title. Like, that's, like... And we didn't even know if Hamilton was okay. Like, it was a huge crash. Yeah. And I so I think that's, like, this reputation that, like, for staffing fans get, like, I think most of it is due to, like, the the crazy ones that are really into it. But, like, even that is enough to where, you know, you look at him and, like you said, the people surrounding him and who he is with, like, complaining and off-the-track stuff. And then you compare him to someone like Lewis Hamilton who, like, is, you know, equally as good on the track but then, like, off-the-track is, like... The complete role model right like everything he does is good he's you know charity all that other stuff like yeah. everything around him is positive and then it feels like like you said like with max like besides like him being just like i mean he's an awesome driver right like he's just an unbelievable driver but like it feels like everything surrounding him and the people he is associated with and his team and everything it's just like this dark cloud always hanging over it and it's it's kind of been interesting to see how i think you had like in you know especially 2019 2020 like especially 2020 like Mercedes kind of become this like as a team like the villain team right like they just keep winning they keep winning yeah and then like it's kind of shifted because of what happened in 2021 and how 2020 ended and how that title was decided and everything like it kind of shifted I feel like to where like you still have your hardcore Verstappen fans like people are like oh like this team's not that great like they're kind of the villains now
0: yeah and it's definitely like we watch Hamilton go from having this unbelievable car to something that isn't working so well, and he can still be, you know, a class act and have great character after a race, after a loss, and uh, you know, even we watched after Abu Dhabi going up to Verstappen and congratulating him, and I don't think that's something that Verstappen could have done given the situation that Hamilton was put in, and it's interesting to see that, and then you know we see the regulations and how you know, Verstappen always said, oh, it's the car, and now all of a sudden he wants to say, you know, it's not the car, it's the driver, and uh, just a lot of these controversial and back-and-forth topics that um, I think make him uh, a very
1: unlikable guy. Yeah, he's very polarizing. I I think you make a great point with how Abu Dhabi ended last year. I think a lot of people, like, missed that or didn't see it. I think, you know, the general fan probably just watched it and saw he won and didn't really pay that much attention after that, but, like, the way Hamilton handled that, like, not many people could, like, handle that with such class and stuff the way he did, like, yeah. after the race was and how he acted and everything and, like, congratulating them and, like, the whole process he went through and everything. And, like you said, if you think about, it, like, what if that were flipped? Like, how would have Max and Red Bull and Christian Horn, all of them reacted if that were flipped? Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been totally different. You know, obviously we had the reaction from Toto and Mercedes wanting to protest and stuff, which was, was valid. But, you know, Lewis pretty much just, like, it. you know, accepted it and it is what it is and like you know we knew it wasn't going to change ever like you can't you can't change something like that like it happened like mm-hmm. you know Michael Massey made that decision like they made that decision happen yeah. but like the way Lewis handled it I think for me like shows the difference between him and Max and like not that I like I said like not that I'm like oh Max is like least, not that I'm like that either but like I just it's hard to root for someone like that when like you see these two people that are like last year they were at the top of their sport. And I I think you still argue they're probably the two best drivers if they're in the same car of anybody on the grid. And like, you see how they are like complete opposites. uh, And we've kind of talked about this. It's like, how do you not root for Lewis? Right. Like how do you, how do you root for Max out of those two?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. You see like Hamilton after the world championship going kind of media silent and working behind the scenes to get a change in the FIA working with Toto and, and the rest of the paddock to to get the FIA to a better place, so that never happens again. And you think about if it were flipped, I think Max Verstappen and Christian Horner would have led a very vocal hate campaign towards you know the FIA for that decision, or uh, towards Mercedes. You know that's just something that seems like, and uh, they they almost have a history of doing uh, is is going at the other team rather than. You know, accepting it for what it is and maybe, you know, trying to make that change.
1: Yeah, I agree. I just, it's, I think that's like the biggest, like, point for, like, me agreeing with you there is, like, if, if you do flip that 2020, 2021 Abu Dhabi result, like, how would have Red Bull and, and Max and them reacted to it? And, like, I don't know. For me, when you take a, obviously, this already happened and, like, everyone knows, or, well, not everybody knows, but people that have been watching the sport know what happened. And, Everybody has an opinion on it, but, like, I, I don't think there really is an opinion. I think, like, what happened last year is a it's a pretty black-and-white, cut-and-dry answer on, like, how it ended. and Yeah. Like, not, okay, obviously there's a gray area, but, like, I, I mean, like, in terms of what was right, there's a right or wrong, right? Like, there's a clear right and a clear wrong and, like, how it should have ended and, like, everyone can see. And, you know, obviously it came out in Mass and everything, like, the rules are broken and everything. And then just the way it was, like, you know— Dismissed by like, ah, like, it was a motor race, like, it just ended, like, that's what happened, like, yeah, it is what it is, like, I don't know, it's just to me, not that, and I've talked to people about this before, not that Max wasn't just deserving going into that last race as Lewis was, they had the same amount of points, like, if Max would have won it outright, he would have won it outright, but, like, yeah, if you just look at that, you can't view it as, like, well, Max was just deserving, so, like, let's dismiss it's like, it was one race to decide it, and Lewis won the race or should, should have won the, won the race, race yeah. right like max did not deserve to win that race so like Lewis deserved the title then i still think that's like the biggest thing for me and just like you said the way it like all everything that unfolded after it if you flip it and it happens the opposite way like there's no way that max and red bull and all them act like that there's just no way yeah
0: yeah it would have been a totally different scenario and um gladly something we didn't have to witness although you know the outcome was unfortunate as it was but yeah so first step is probably my least favorite driver for a lot of those reasons as stated uh, but you know we try to keep it pretty yeah. unbiased for our for our race yeah. recaps and obviously we throw in some poking fun at different drivers here and there yeah. but uh yeah just to give you guys yeah. a little background on on us and our preferences that's where we stand
1: yeah I mean and you can poke fun at everybody we do it with everybody and Absolutely. i think more than anything like i want to get across to people like we are just fans of the sport more than anything yeah we have our favorite drivers and we have drivers you might not like as much but like just because tyler doesn't like max doesn't mean he's not going to watch formula one or like not appreciate like what it is or whatever like i think that's what we're trying to get across here but anyways yeah that's kind of our you know background of formula one and kind of how we got to where we are today and kind of a little bit about us and the different aspects of what we like and don't like and stuff like that. Um, I guess the only other thing we can agree on, which I'm looking at the, uh, the thing we have up here, is probably our all- maybe our all-time least favorite driver. Although, I don't know, maybe for you, but I think this is probably agreeance here. Definitely up there. I think uh, we can. I think everyone can agree that it was just no fun having Mads been on the grid last year, right? It was a uh, good laughing stock, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, other than that, the dude just gave us nothing. and I mean obviously there's a lot of stuff that went on behind it, but like it's more fun having Magnus back this year.
0: It definitely, and oh. good performances. We get to watch good racing.
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's true. That's exactly true. Anyways, uh, we will see you guys, uh, in the next episode.
0: Yeah. And feel free to engage with us on social media, at surviving to drive uh, podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are and who your favorite drivers are and what your thoughts on our opinions are.